everyone, we are here. We are here and ready to go. All right, thank you for joining me today. New Hope Radio. I'll tell you what, with all that's going on in the world, <laughs> I'm glad to talk about what we're talking about today. Today we're going to talk about what I call the Divine Initiative. And that's good news. It means that God did something. God stepped up, and he continues to step up. And we're going to see how Jesus stepped up in the lives of some of these guys back in the Gospels. And I'll tell you what, stepped up in your life too. Think about Jesus and how he came with a mission. And how much do you think about him calling people to help him in his mission? Which was to spread the good news of the kingdom. How much do you think about that? He probably didn't have to, right? He didn't have to invite people. But it's what he chose to do. That's the divine initiative. Today in our modern world, I don't think we're much different from the people of the older world. You? They had jobs, we have jobs. They had families, we have families. They had responsibilities, yeah, we have responsibilities. They were busy, we're busy. And yet, Jesus called people into his journey because he knew the best way to live is to live for something bigger than yourself. That's it. Hey, there is a key to life. The best way to live is to live for something bigger than yourself. Are you doing that? Have you found that thing that's bigger than you? And you're able to direct your attention from you and put it on that. And by the way, what's bigger than the kingdom of God? I mean, that's like the biggest thing there is. So we're going to pick up this scene after John the Baptist and Jesus met, okay? In John chapter 1, verse 35, it tells us the next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, there he is. Now when the Bible says the next day, it doesn't mean the next day. Okay, the ne this is one time when the next day doesn't mean the next day, and I'll tell you why. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have Jesus being led into the Spirit, I mean into the wilderness by the Spirit, for 40 days to be tempted by the devil, and that was what? After the baptism. So after Jesus returns from the wilderness, then he goes about calling his disciples. So this event took place after the temptation. So that's like the next day after Jesus came back from the wilderness. John says, look, behold, the Lamb of God. So John continues to play the second fiddle to Jesus, and he heralds him as the chosen Lamb of God. Now, John must have known very well that his disciples would leave him, that they would turn and they would follow Jesus and you know that's exactly what happened. That's okay. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak. And they followed Jesus. And you know the interesting thing, which is really good. This is why 
John was such an extraordinary man. There was no jealousy in John because he knew his role and he knew his mission. And you know what it was? To introduce the Messiah, to introduce Jesus. That was his job, and he did it very well. His job wasn't to compete with Jesus. It wasn't to get a large following. It was to bring people to Jesus. Now, one man said, there is no harder task than to take the second place when once the first place was enjoyed. You agree with that? I think that's true. That it's very difficult to be in the first place and then you step down to take the second place and give somebody else the first place. You know who has a hard time with that? Football quarterbacks. They have a hard time with that. They can't do it. When it's time for them to step down and a younger guy comes up, you know what they do? They go to another team. Now, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But it's hard to step down to a more to a lesser position when you occupied a preeminent position. But John the Baptist, no problem with that. He could do it. First, he was the man. Then when Jesus came on the scene, he was the man. And John stepped down. So now we've got these two men following Jesus. And they're probably, you know, too timid to approach him. So Jesus does what one would expect him to do. He approaches them. And in verse 38, remember now, we're in John chapter 1. Jesus turned and he saw them following. And you know what he said to them? What do you seek? That's good. He could have said, why are you guys following me? Get out of here. <laughs> but he did it. He said, what do you seek? <clears throat> See, Jesus asked a very relevant question. It's timeless. This question, what do you seek, has not gone out of date for thousands of years. In other words, what are you looking for? Isn't that question relevant today? What are you looking for? I could ask you that. What are you looking for? You could ask me. What are you looking for? We could ask the guy in the street. Hey, guy in the street, what are you looking for? It's a relevant question. I call this what Jesus did, the divine initiative. He is the one that is initiating to these two disciples. And that happens quite a bit with God. God is the divine initiator. And we can find different times throughout the scriptures when he did that. For instance, Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and they went and they hid themselves? And here comes Jesus. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam, where are you? The divine initiative. How about the time the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a blazing fire from the burning bush? And he looked, and Moses saw the bush. It's like, man, this bush, it keeps burning, but it's not going out. And God spoke to Moses from the bush. God initiated. Here's the one that we all remember. God initiates in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He initiated. See, that one's easy to remember. That's the divine initiative. 
Genesis 3, Exodus 3, and John 3. Ain't that a kicker? Easy to remember now. Genesis 3, Exodus 3, John 3. God initiates. That's what he does. So Jesus said to them, what do you seek? In other words, what do you want? What did you see what they said to him? All right, I'll tell you what they said to him. <laughs> they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. They answered a question with a question. Jesus said, what do you seek? And they said, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. How cool is that? Jesus, come on. Come on to my house. Wow. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him all that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon, Jewish time. And then one of the two who heard John speak and followed him, his name was Andrew. He was Simon Peter's brother. And I like what Andrew did. He found the treasure hid in the field, and then he went and he told his brother. You know, when you find something good, you want to share it, right? That's what Andrew did. He found something good. He wanted to share it. Verse 41. He found first his own brother Simon, and he said to him, We found the Messiah. In other words, we found the Christ. I mean, how did he know? You know how he knew? He spent time with Jesus. See, when you spend time with Jesus, oh yeah, you learn a lot. You become very smart. You know that? When you spend time with Jesus, you become very, very smart. Very, maybe a better word is enlightened. Andrew became very enlightened and he discovered, oh, this is really the Messiah. What am I going to do? I'm going to tell my brother. See, that's what happens when you make a discovery. Remember the woman at the well in Samaria? She met Jesus at the well and she realized, here's a man, he told me everything I ever did. And she went into town and she's got all the men, and all the men were hanging out. Maybe they were playing checkers by the pickle barrel. I don't know. And she said to them, I met this man. He told me my life. This is not the Christ, is it? She was so excited. She couldn't wait to share Christ with other people. That's a good sign that you're in a good place with God. When you get excited about sharing Christ. You know what happens sometimes as Christians? We kind of like get familiar and become indifferent. And we lose that urgency to share who Jesus is and what he did. Got to be careful for that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to you know, like fall into that pit. Because that's what it is. It's a pit. You want to be excited. You want to have a, a sense of um, urgency about your walk 
with the Lord. Okay? And you know why she went to the men? She didn't say, I found the Christ. She said, this is not the Christ, is it? And you know why she asked them a question instead of told them? Because you can't tell men anything. <laughs> they already know it all. So they're like, okay, you stay here. We'll go see. We'll go check it out. So she's a very smart lady. Then in John 1 verse 42, Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, oh, I know you. You're Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Jesus changes Peter's name to Peter. And Peter means rock. He's going to be a rock. Oh, he's going to be a rock in the early church. He certainly is. He's not going to be the foundation stone, but he's going to be a rock in other words, steadfast, immovable, once the church age begins. So Peter, he's going to be a formidable partner in the work of the gospel. But you know what? He's got to go through some difficult times to get there. He's going to learn some hard lessons. The first one he learned is in the garden when he cut off the soldier's ear. Peter, not good. We don't do that. We don't, we don't cut people's ears off, Peter. Put the sword away. There was another time when he almost drowned, remember? He said, Jesus, if that's you on the water, call me out. Come on out, okay. And he's walking on the water and lost his focus. He started to sing. Jesus had to pick him up. See, when you lose your focus on Christ, uh-oh, you start to sink. It happens. Oh, it happens. It happens a lot. It happens way too much. And then the biggest blunder of all he denied knowing Jesus three times in one night. I don't know him. Who? Jesus? Who? What? But you know the great thing about Peter? He didn't give up. And you know what he teaches us? Don't let your present failures destroy your future. I like that. Don't let your present failures destroy your future. We've all had present failures. But remember Paul, he said, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. See, once you're with God, you always have a future with God. Always. That future never goes away. It's always there. So now we have another divine initiative, verse 43. The next day, Jesus purposed to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to Philip, follow me. Now, Galilee was an upscale town. Nazareth, where Jesus grew up, eh, not so upscale. And just like Andrew told Peter, Philip went and got Nathaniel. But Nathaniel was skeptical. As another man said, one lighted torch serves to light another. So Philip's going to light up Nathaniel, but Nathaniel's like, I don't know. He was doubtful. See, in the first instance, they were brothers. In this instance, they're friends. 
So in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and he said to him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. We found Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found him. And Nathanael, he quoted a saying that was going around in those days. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That was the saying. That's why people thought lowly of the town. They figured nothing good's going to come out of Nazareth, especially the Christ. So Philip had a good response. Hey, come and see. Come and see for yourself. Though he was skeptical, he went. I give him credit. See, you can be skeptical skeptical about God, but don't let that skepticism stop you from going. God will meet you right where you are. He'll open up your eyes. He certainly will. So Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. And he said of him, Oh, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He knew Nathanael, though he was skeptical, had a pure heart. You know, that's what God looks for. He looks at the heart. So we could read it like this. Jesus saw Nathanael's heart as he was coming to him. And this was a tribute to any devout Israelite to be spoken of that way. To have a true heart. A true and an honest heart. And you know why? Because the heart, that's the real you. Yeah, not what you see in the mirror. That's not the real you or the real me. The heart is the real person. Like the psalmist said in Psalm 32, How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. So how blessed is that guy whose spirit, in small s, so it's not the Holy Spirit, whose his innermost being, there's no deceit. I think the King James calls it guile. But he's honest and he's pure and upright. And this could be any of you that are listening today, that this psalm could be about you. Blessed are you whose heart has no deceit. And that's a beautiful thing. Man, we need people like that. Oh yeah, people with pure hearts. They're not deceitful. They're not vengeful. They're not about, you know, conflict and getting even. They're about purity and uprightness, honesty, integrity, holiness. That that should be the model of the church. That's how the church should operate. People in the church were to operate that way. Now, Nathaniel never met Jesus. So he wondered how Jesus knew him. Probably scratching his head like, how does he know me? Well, the woman at the well, they never met either, and Jesus knew it all, right? He knew she had five husbands, and she was living with another guy. And Jesus knows. He knew him the same way that he knows you and that he knows me. (laughs) That could be almost scary. He knows us like that. So Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus said, Well, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Hmm. See, when Jesus sees, he really sees. 
Because you know what the Bible says? Oh, the eyes of the Lord, they move to and fro throughout the whole earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. So you know what Jesus is looking for? Hearts. Hearts that will belong to him. And when he saw Nathaniel, he saw into his heart. He said, oh, there's one. It's interesting how Nathaniel, we don't have a gospel by him. But he is such a pure, devout man. Hmm. I wonder why we don't have a gospel by Nathaniel. I don't know. Now, Jesus saw Nathaniel sitting under a fig tree. What was he doing there? Well, under the fig tree was a place of meditation. And Jesus knew that for Nathaniel to be there, he was seeking God. In his own way, in his heart, he was in a place of meditating and thinking. Maybe thinking about the Christ and not even realizing, man, here he comes. Here comes the Christ right to the tree. And you know what I learned from that scene? Try to get this now. We are known by the places that we frequent. Hmm. The Hebrew word, Selah. Think about it. We are known by the places that we frequent. What places do you spend the most time? That's how you'll be known. Where you spend much time will build your reputation. And it could even shape your character. Wow. See that? It's, not, it's a serious thing. Where we go is a big part of who we are. So don't underestimate the places that you frequent because they're very telling. They're telling. They tell, you know what they tell? What's in our heart? What's appealing to us? What we value. To, to Nathaniel, it was a place of quiet meditation. That's good. It wasn't a nightclub. It wasn't a casino. It wasn't some barroom somewhere. It wasn't some whatever. You name it. doesn't matter. But he was in a place that kind of revealed what his heart was like. And you know what happened? See, because I, I like this. Because of the condition of Nathaniel's heart, he was, he's, now he's develop, developing a spiritual insight. Wow. And he said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. He had a realization. And he had a realization because of his heart. And it makes me wonder why some people never get saved. It's the heart. It's the heart. And why some people are so faithful to God. They just want to serve God. You know why? It's the heart. Oh, the heart is so much. It's who we are. The heart is our life. 
It's where we live. We live in our heart. Jesus said, the words we speak, they come out of our heart. Wow. The choices we make come out of our heart. Everything's about the heart. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart. Guard it. Protect it. Out of it flow the issues of life. The heart's important. You know, whatever we put in is going to work its way out. If you put in worldliness, worldliness will come out. If you put in the things of God, the things of God will come out. They'll come out in your words. It'll come out in your ways. It'll come out in your thoughts. See, words and ways. (laughs) That's the Christian life right there. What are my words? What are my ways? Are they honoring to God? That's the Christian life. But it's all about the heart. So Jesus, he's always looking. This is the good news now. We don't go looking for him. He goes looking for us. He's not willing that any should perish, right? Peter tells us that. So Nathaniel realized, here is the man who, number one, he knows my heart. Oh, he knows it. And we've never met. Here is a man that has seen into my secret longings of which I've never spoken. And yet he's seen it. He has seen my thoughts before they came words. He had that realization. Here is a man, thinking about Jesus, who understands my feelings. In other words, here is somebody who really does know me. Wow. Never met me. And he knows me. And he's inviting me in to his journey, to his life. You know, that's what God is doing. He's inviting us into his life. Nathaniel gave the rest of his life to serving this newly discovered king. I'll tell you what, Nathaniel's story can be our story. It can be your story. It can be my story. When the heart is right, there's this drawing to Christ. And there's that living for something bigger than self. There it is. Living for something bigger than self. Let's really think about that. It'll make all the difference in the world. All right? I'll see you next time.